Welcome to episode 106 of Blue Jays Happy Hour. I'm Nick Ashbourne, joined as always by Andrew Stoughton. We are recording on the last dead baseball day of the next few months, the darkest time in uh, in sports, the All-Star Week. But since we talked last, I'd say the biggest Blue Jays news item, and there was actually a surprising amount of them. I was sort of fearing putting together this podcast potentially, but a few Blue Jays things happened since we last talked. I want to start with Alec Manoa, because we saw his return to the major leagues. I believe it was the day after we last recorded. Uh, Stone, what was your first impression of the, I want to say long-awaited, but maybe less long-awaited than anticipated Manoa start? <laughs> yeah, I think def- definitely less long-awaited than uh, than anticipated. Uh, you know, he was he was in the zone. It was good. I think there was a lot of positives from it. It is tough to to make sense of what uh, is real and what isn't when you're facing a team like the Tigers, I think. Uh, you know, I wrote about those positives. I wrote about the slider being in the zone, and somebody definitely emailed. Me. It was like, yeah, he was hanging a lot of those sliders, though. I think that wasn't just necessarily doing good work, uh, which I think is a fair uh, perspective on it. Uh, but it was a good, you know, a good first step, a good uh, opportunity for him to, you know, to get that start under his belt against a, a weak team uh, ahead of the All Star break. You know, kind of come out of the, in the second half uh, feeling positive. Uh, so generally it was good. I mean, I don't know that I mean that I'm ready to be like, well, he's fixed and it'll be fine, but, uh, uh, a step in the right direction for sure. Yeah. I, w- I would venture there's probably a little bit more optimism out there than is maybe warranted based on this outing. And again, that doesn't mean we have to absolutely bury the Detroit Tigers at every possible, at every possible <laughs> moment. But yeah, I mean, that's a bad lineup and he did. He did pound the zone, and it's worth wondering whether he built a pound the zone the same way uh, against a different lineup. And then there's questions about that. Like the velocity was, you know, it was very much in line with what he's done in 2023, which is not ideal kind of relative to what he's done in the past. You know, the the slider break has been a big thing all season where it's just not breaking horizontally to the same degree. Uh, it was down even from his 2023 average. <laughs> yes, uh, it was. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of, you know, when we explain, and to be fair, I don't think we have a perfect explanation for why Manoa has struggled in 2023. Uh, we have kind of all these disparate factors that we've put together. Uh, a lot of those things we would use to explain what's happened this year was also present in the start. So that is not ideal from his perspective. I think the the good spin on it is that some of what's gone on with Manoa, again, we'll never be able to quantify this or explain this, has been some loss of, I don't know, confidence, mojo, whatever you want to say. Um, just kind of as the the way the results have gone, it's, we know, we saw this with kind of Kikuchi last year, right? Sometimes the results are just sort of spiral downhill and things seem to build on themselves. And so what I would say positive for the start is that the results are really good, and it is something that, from a mental standpoint, I could see Manoa building on successfully. Like, again, I can't claim to have you know professional elite level of insight when it comes to his mindset, and I'm always a little bit nervous tiptoeing around that area, but it does feel safe to say that this could have gone a lot worse, and the fact that it went well, uh, I have to imagine it helps him in terms of the way he feels next time he steps on the mound. Yeah, I think that's got to be the case, right? And uh, we know it could go worse because we saw the box score from the, the, against the Yankee teens, right? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, you're right. The velocity was not there. Um, 
pounding the zone is uh, is a scary thing. I think I noticed that the spin rate was down on pretty much everything, which is kind of interesting. I don't know if that's you know I don't know what that means. Whether it's helping him you know, locate better, it's not it, it's it it's not it's just a little easier to harness if he's doing that, or if it's not deliberate. But it, it seemed kind of noticeable. Um, and yeah, I, I it, we'll see how much of it is it ends up being a confidence thing because like you say uh yeah the 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 horizontal break was the same uh a lot of the ingredients were the same as we've seen all year and and yet he used uh he he baked a better dish than most nights yeah and and it's also worth remembering and i know that you've mentioned this a few times before that he has had some passable outings in 2023 like it's easy to conceive of the whole thing as a disaster from start to finish and you know the results are what they are but there have been a few starts where he's looked okay and there is a chance that like you say he's bringing all the same ingredients to the table it just so happens to be that this is one of those starts where those underwhelming ingredients gave you yeah a palatable dish we'll put it that way um so again like i i find myself a little maybe i don't know less bullish on this than some other folks at the same time the, you know, this could have gone so, 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 so much worse. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to spend too much time just harping on like, ah, oh, maybe this thing that is good is, is not so good. Uh, I mean, that, that's a genre I've explored a lot in the past with some levels of success. Uh, but I don't know. I don't, I don't <laughs> think that's where we want to linger. I think we can call it a, a positive, maybe positive, but not triumphant would be a good way to frame it. Yeah, you definitely. I mean, we would be happier if the velocity was up and the the slider was breaking more. I mean, that is uh, that goes without saying. But he did, you know, he kept it in the zone, whether <laughs> whether intentionally or not, on some of them. Um, uh, you know that that was sort of the stated goal. So can only go from what they're saying, right? So uh, so it did seem positive. They've said it's they've said positive things the whole time. Uh, whatever they had him working on, they feel has. Uh, improved to a point where they were ready to let him start in the big leagues, and then the the results followed. So, you know, uh, yeah, hard to get too down on it, even if uh, <laughs> I'm not handing him the ball in game one of the playoffs or anything like that just yet. Yeah, and l- like let's say, for instance, that the stuff is kind of diminished and that's not something we're going to be able to solve in 2023. Like even the version of Manoa with stuff that's less – um, you know, less dynamic than it was last year, but throws strikes is probably a passable pitcher, right? Like a huge part yeah. of why he has failed to succeed so far in 2023 is the, you know, the walk rate, which is at, you know, 5.91 per nine on the season. Like you bring that down and then you get yourself in more favorable counts, which means you can put the balls on the edges a little bit more, avoid the middle of the plate and probably get away from some of the hard, like there's just a snowball effect associated with throwing strikes. So if he is that guy whose slider doesn't move the same way and the velocity is, you know, one mile per hour down across the board, but he can command the baseball, which is, uh, you know, he's done in the past. There's no reason to believe he can't do again. If that is what Manoa is for 2023, he's a helpful contributor for this team. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, so that's good. You know, we, <laughs> nobody has to write Hyunjin Ryu into the rotation just yet. No, he's the uh, optimism wild card for now. Uh, well, the moment <laughs> you're relying on him even a little bit is when you might come into trouble. But when he exists as a possibility floating around in the ether, I think that's a good outcome for everybody. Absolutely. So 
All-Star Week we mentioned before, it is the dark spot of kind of the sports calendar, but there was some Blue Jays content associated with it. You had Vladdy in the Derby. On a less positive note, you had Jordan Romano tweaking his back a little bit. Um, we've had news that the Blue Jays might be on the short list for the 2025 All-Star Game, which is something we've talked about. Um, a weird amount of, I don't know, Whit Merrifield kind of being a personality content, which had never really been a thing prior to that, uh, at least in yeah. Blue Jays land. <laughs> Out of the whole jumble of kind of All-Star Week content what was jumping out to you in uh in blue jays land uh well i mean th well there's only a couple items really i mean romano's back i hope is, you know is probably the most relevant to the 2023 season so i guess that's the one uh you know it seemed pretty precautionary i i, I uh don't imagine that it's going to be you know a major thing coming out of it but you never want to see a guy get hurt uh ever but particularly in a, in a situation where you can't control it and i guess he was he was feeling it uh you know on his last bullpen throw before he uh, entered the game. So I don't know, maybe, maybe could have stopped that uh, before it uh, got worse, but you know, one, one batter is fine. As I said, he got on the mound, like he didn't last year. Um, but yeah, obviously you, uh, uh, you don't like that. The other stuff is, you know, the, the all-star game. I mean, I think obviously the, the an all-star game bid is something that's going to happen, right? That, that was kind of, uh, you knew it was going to happen when the, uh, when the renovations kind of came about, like that's that's a bit of a carrot for for that, and that's gonna they're gonna make some money back, I think, doing it that way and uh, and, and having that big fancy shindig, uh, which should be fun, I think. Sure, I mean, yeah. In so far, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It's a as a value proposition. Like if you live in Toronto, I can only imagine what all star tickets and derby tickets and whatnot cost. So it it doesn't seem like a good value proposition. But uh, you know, in terms of Whatever. So I don't. I'm not going to pretend I know the economics around selling luxury suites, but I I, I bet that there's uh, there's money to be made there, as you said. So I, like it is. It would be a positive for the organization. They get to showcase some of the renovations they made. People would talk about it on TV, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Good branding exercise. Like, yeah. I mean, they, it's it's good for the organization. I don't know if it's like good for Toronto or good for the Blue Jays. I think, you know, people know Toronto exists. It's not like, oh, here's a new city that we, we've expanded to and blah, blah, blah. Like, I don't know. Like, it, it, it is cool. I'd rather it happen than not happen because why not? But it, it from my point of view, it's hard to feel too riled up about the idea of the All-Star game is here. But I don't know. Maybe I'm just cynical about it. <laughs> well, it's not for you, really, no. right? I mean, it's uh, the last time it was here, I was like eleven or ten or eleven or something, and uh, it was really awesome. And uh, ended up managing the didn't go to a ton of games as a kid, but uh, but did manage to go to that one, which was really fun. And and you know, different back then. I mean, different when you're a kid, but you know, back then seeing the the other league guys who you wouldn't see at all uh, made it a bit special, especially concerned you know compared to other All Star games. Um, and that's you know that that's who the home run derby's for the, the all the, the kids who aren't going to get knocked in the head by a Vladdy line drive, uh, which was uh, humorous as long as the kid's still all right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I think it it will, it will be it will be fun to be the focus of the baseball world uh, for once. Um, and so I, I yeah I'm all for it. I don't like the game. I like we talked last week. You know the home run derby. I did watch this one, but I, I generally don't the All Star game. I can take it or leave it. Uh, it's nice to get some some time off from thinking about baseball, even if I, you know, not writing as uh, as often as I should. While the Jays, you know, go and just completely shit the bed against the Red Sox and 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 not make particularly compelling content. Um, 
but yeah, you know, it, it, I think it would be fun. I think there would be a lot of fun stuff to come out of it. Yeah, I, when I think about this week in particular, like you said, Romano is the thing that stands out. It, like, it does seem fairly precautionary. It is sort of weird with all-star games in general. Like if you, I don't know, if you watch an NBA all-star game or an NHL all-star game, for instance, the guys just, you know, they just aren't trying, but there isn't a good way to not try in baseball. Like you can not really run the bases or you can, you can <laughs> yeah. opt not to crash into the outfield wall. Like there's a couple things you can do, but when you're at the plate, you're going to swing the bat. Like you're not going to, if anything, you'll probably swing the bat more. And when you're on the mound, you're not going to, you know, it's like, here's the great closer from the Blue Jays. He ranks fourth in the MLB in saves and he's going to throw at 60% uh velocity yeah. <laughs> here he is throwing 70 mile per hour ephus pitches like it's just not realistic like guys sort of have to play the game which is good in a sense because it's less unwatchable i don't know if you've seen any nba all-star game recently i can't not recommend <laughs> that enough it is, it is tr- i watched i watched enough in the 90s that i i'm uh i'm aware of the of the it's, deal it's with the truly and the nhl truly dismal yeah. Um, I've never watched a Pro Bowl. Oh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not that kind of sicko. Think, oh yeah, the, just, <laughs> I, the people I think who are perhaps the biggest sickos in sports have to be people not only watch the Pro Bowl but bet on it. If you're betting on the Pro Bowl, <laughs> it's time. I mean, maybe one of our listeners. And I'm sorry if you feel called out in this moment, but I'm not backing down from the stance. If you're betting <laughs> on the Pro Bowl, you have serious work to do in your life. Um, and, uh, you know what? And you'll get there. Like, I personally believe in you. I'm not saying you're a lost cause, but we all hit a uh, rock bottom. And I think betting on the pro bowl is that. So now I've alienated the, uh, zero point. I don't think it's a lot. 0.3% yeah. of the audience for no reason. Um, I will say, so in theory, the MLB all-star game is more palatable because the quality of the game itself should be better. But the flip side of that is like the action of pitching as people say all the time, it's a violent action. It is an action that gets people hurt. It destroys elbows. It destroys shoulders. So it is very weird that there is this level. And, you know, we think Romano's not going to be a huge deal, whatever. But it would be pretty easy for him to come out there and just, you know, tear something in his, uh, you know, in his shoulder and just be out for the season or become Tommy John eligible, all that. Like, Again, that's over-dramatizing what happened in this scenario, but it is weird that like this is kind of the only all-star game that exists where teams are sort of forced to put their guys in harm's way on the pitcher side. Um, and you know, we saw with the World Baseball Classic how teams really didn't right. love sending their pitchers out there, and it's understandable, um, but it it's just something that other sports don't really ask their teams to do. Like, hey, we're going to have him do as, as risky a thing as he would normally do for no real reason. <laughs> well, you, the, the, you have these debates in, in soccer with the international breaks and all that, but it's, it's definitely not the same, you know, it's not the same as the violent action of uh, pitching. They only got so many bullets, some of these guys, right? So it, I think that does totally uh, change how, how you know, you, you approach it as a team or you fear it as a team, even though, yeah, there's lots of stories in soccer where... Oh, injured on the international break is not a not a fun situation for a club. Yeah, I mean, I guess at least international play is for something, but it could be friendlies, yes. and I don't know. Maybe that's not a rabbit hole we need to jump down. But we're not uh, talking about the nations league. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd <laughs> like to believe that you guys are going somewhere else for that stuff if that's what you're into. Uh, not a lot of expertise here. 
the one thing on the all-star before we move on on all-star week that uh did stand my my favorite blue jays related moment was the uh guriel and vladdy playing rock paper scissors across the dugout clip um i know i think blue jays fans have missed guriel a lot this season in part because he just performed well and varsho hasn't performed as well as people have liked at least offensively um, but whenever I have a thought of sort of missing watching Lourdes Gurriel Jr., it's around stuff like that, like him building sandcastles and playing rock. Like it has nothing to do with him being a baseball player because I think he's not a really good fit for the Blue Jays even now, even when he's performing well. Uh, but that kind of stuff, I think, is a little bit missed with this group. Yeah, I, no, absolutely. I, I was definitely in the camp of like, you know, this... You know, I, there's a lot of pushback now because Varsho hasn't played as well as he has, you know, as well as he can. Um, but there was a lot. The, my sense at the time was, you know, it's like the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and and, and expecting different results. And that was kind of, I think, where the Blue Jays got with that, you know, Teoscar Guriel version of the lineup. Um, and so I was very okay with you know Guriel, who generally he's probably still going to get hurt at some point. He's definitely a streaky guy. We all know the the drill, and 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 was you know not surprised when he was traded, uh, especially with the one year left on his contract. But yeah, you definitely do feel the absence of that lightheartedness and that kind of stuff that was going on a little more, and it's a little more of a red ass team this year, uh, which would be more enjoyable to watch if they won more games or at least <laughs> felt threatening and and more games. Yeah, I mean it's it's a good thing this is such a serious team. The fans have really connected with that. I <laughs> yeah. think that's what people have wanted out of this entertainment product is just a distinct lack of joy and finally they're getting it. So uh, <laughs> th- thank God for that. The other thing that happened during the All-Star week was the draft. I do not I do not want to linger on this too much because I think if we do that, we will be doing a bunch of pretending we know things that we do not know. So uh, let's go. Let's go in with that. Like neither of us are draft next. We have uh, at times brought them onto the show when we were more diligent about doing guest stuff. Uh, but <laughs> but we don't we don't have a great insight in that. I will say, and I looked at the pronunciation just before this, and I've already lost it. So I apologize in advance. But Arjun Nimala uh, seems like an interesting uh, swing for the Blue Jays in the draft. Like a guy that quite a few of the experts seem to think could have gone a few picks higher which you know is generally a good thing to hear uh, a guy who has a bit of a power emphasis a shortstop potentially but maybe third baseman and you know i think keith law said he could have gone eight to ten spots higher and the risk is with the hit tool uh, i have my notes here the fact that 2005 birthdays are getting drafted is is profoundly upsetting uh, that's neither here nor there but it is true um mm-hmm. i think that what what makes this a little bit more interesting beyond the fact like quote unquote this is a good value pick sure good for the blue jays um what makes this interesting to me is that there's been this case in the farm system in recent years where they seem to have been kind of emphasizing the hit tool first and sort of hoping the power comes around later and a lot of the the players you know groshans was this way martin was this way while they had him just put up like virtually no power numbers whatsoever. And it just now ne- it didn't seem to come around. That vision didn't seem to come around. And people have that complaint about the current major league team too. All the people who want to fire Guillermo Martinez, regardless of uh, having no idea what he does and doesn't do. Um, <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's what I thought was interesting is like, Oh, they're going to go to a guy who is 
firmly power first. And with the exception of Relvis Martinez, who we're going to talk about a little bit later, they don't have a lot of guys in that mold and they haven't seemed to have been drawn to guys in that mold. So again, I don't want to say that we know exactly what we're talking about with the draft, but that is the sort of kernel of all of this that I found interesting. Yeah, no, I, and I think that that is, you know, as a, a layman when it comes to the draft and, and, and for someone like yourself, not willing to pretend otherwise. Uh, yeah, those are the kind of interesting threads that you can pull from it. And like, who, what, what do they have a type or what, do, what, where are they thinking? And sometimes, you know, it's like, like with Martin, they clearly didn't, well, they, I, I can't say they didn't value him, but the, you know, he kind of fell on their lap and they had to, it was like, you know, the best player available by far. Turns out not necessarily, it doesn't mean much, uh, necessarily, which is, you know, the caveat to all of this. Um, but yeah, maybe that didn't tell you a ton about what they thought in this, this, you know, it was a pretty deep draft, I think was, uh, was what people would say. And, uh, yeah, got a really interesting prop prospect. I'm with you. Like, I always like to hear, like they're taking it. You don't want to hear, oh yeah, they took this guy that they could have got reach. Like, 20 like, picks later. Wow. Yeah. Took him? <laughs> That's, That's a want. surprise. Yeah. Not ideal. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter either way. Right. Like it, it's, I don't know. They're, they're the ones with skin in the game, but, uh, but yeah, no, you like to hear that obviously. And, and, uh. I don't know, it seemed like a really down-to-earth kid, too. Like, some of the videos they put out, uh, talking to him, talking to his family. Uh, all sorts of good stuff in that, on the, the human interest side of things, uh, which is cool. But, yeah, as a player, um, I don't, yeah, you're, I, I just, I like I said, like, I'm with you. I read some different reports. Different people said different things. You know, Fangrass was down, down on his ability to stick it short. Other places weren't. Um, yeah, I think Logan Hagen, Fangrass mentioned that he struck out a lot this spring, and that's why he fell in the draft. Which, you know, maybe, but then I saw, you know, got a bit of helium in other spots. So who the hell knows? But, uh, but you know, seems like a really good pick. And I, I thought also interesting just because, like, you know, they'd have been within their rights. And I think I wrote this. Like, they'd have been within their rights to maybe take a safer pick because they they blew their second round pick uh, signing Chris Bassett. That was a qualified free agent. So they didn't get the second their second highest pick. Uh, could have done something safer. Could have done something that was less of a, a, a long-term guy. Like, this is a high school kid. He's not going to be reaching the big leagues. Uh, you know, for a few years yet, <laughs> to the point where I believe I mentioned that you know Ross Atkins might not be here. Uh, you know, so credit to them for believing in the talent and and doing that despite there being reasons if they wanted to uh, to take that path to I think have been a little bit safer. Yeah, and I think that's a good point too. I, I do have respect for general, and I, I don't know to what degree Ross Atkins is feeling his seat. Being warm, there's so much season to go this season. We don't know how it's going to end up. And I think the talk of him being in a tough spot was a lot louder during the Bass situation when people were just sort of feeling negative about him and the team. Yeah. But I do have respect for people who are willing to take on those long-term projects, not knowing uh, exactly how that's going to you know, coincide with their tenure. And, and like you said, the human interest part of it is cool too. Like you see, like the videos they posted, he did, you know, and in so far as you can tell that from, um, from a few minutes of a guy, he did seem like a, a down to earth team. The fact that he's, you know, he's the first Indian American uh, drafted in the first round, like, you know, not that the Blue Jays deserve credit or care about that, but that is a story people will be following. And it is kind of cool to any person that kind of, has potential to bring people under more people under the umbrella of baseball is a positive thing. And the fact the blue Jays happen to be the ones that are uh, engaging with that, that's cool too. But the whole thing is sort of like uh, let's wait sort of three years before we even kind of have a sense of where we're at with this guy. So 
we can yeah so well and that's that's part of the thing and that was notified noticed noticed as their type too i think in keith laws uh like previous mocks they they he cited the jays as a team that was really looking at birth date and you know he's the youngest or one of the youngest guys in the uh in the entire class i think he was the youngest player picked in the first round um because you know just just a quirk of the calendar just but but that just means there's a little bit more projection there that was the word that i all they all use and everybody's like okay what is that i guess that means they project them to get better like, i think most um, of these guys will it's just not just a matter of how yeah. much better they get yeah but the, there's so there's an art to that i guess but but yeah so so that was an interesting thing too i don't know what the, you know what to make of it whether they what like what what exactly they they you know i guess that there is value in having a young you know getting a younger player into the system just because there's more time for them to develop uh you know we're talking fractions of years yeah here, i mean so i it's guess probably not that huge it increases the chances that there's some untapped physical de- like there's all these reasons and like yeah, oh yeah. you had this amount of time on the earth and you were able to can you're able to uh achieve why well that's more achievement per days you know what i mean like there's all uh, that's a <laughs> right, weird way to right. conceptualize it but like yeah there if if you can get a kid who's younger and is as good as the other kid who's slightly older even if it's a matter of months it's always you know positive i think the uh, Cleveland Guardians are kind of notorious for being in on that too. Like they're a big uh, birthday thing, which is cool. But at the at the end of the day, it's also good to sort of get good players, and that would be the would be the top part. I just I just had to look up Austin Martin to see where he was at, and uh, it's not good. He's uh, he's he's no. he's twenty four. He's played fourteen <laughs> pro games this year. It's uh it's I mean yeah, I, you know, I'm not like actively wishing that bad things happen for him. I don't know anything about him personally. Hopefully they go well, but uh, it is definitely one of those cases that helps remind you that you're going to be told X, Y, and Z is an incredible prospect out of the draft or a good pick or a bad pick. And there are often times where we do not really know. Like he was considered to be, you know, one of the safer picks imaginable. Like, oh, we don't know about his defense, but this bad is going to play 100%. And, uh, you know, the story hasn't been written, but the guy has you know, eight pro home runs and, you know, he's done double A a bunch of times and all that jazz. So whatever you hear about draft picks, uh, take it all with a grain of salt right now. Traded for Jose Barrios though. Yeah. Which I mean, again, jury's out on that could be multiple. Like (laughs) that could be a good or bad extension. We still don't know about that. Uh, in prospect chatter though, Arelvis Martinez is someone we, we can confidently say we know a little bit more about than guys who've just been drafted and he ha- he's going to head up to AAA, according to Shai Davidi. This is, uh, I don't think that he's heading to AAA with a view of, oh, he's coming to the big leagues tomorrow if he does well. But he's got, you know, kind of fairly good numbers on the season. We touched on him a few weeks ago, but he had a just a horrendous start. So if you look at his recent numbers, and this is the split that Shai picked out, is he's hitting 301, 425, 609 over his last 47 games. That's like a, it's not a nothing sample. And that is, that's pretty dominant stuff for a guy who, yes, he's seen double A before, but he's also just 21. The importance of, uh, you know, an early birthday and youth, he's definitely got that on his side. And, uh, you know, we, we keep touching base to see if he's going to be the guy to sort of hang the hat on but I, I think as soon as he arrives at AAA, not necessarily because he's someone they're going to look to immediately call on i think he has to prove himself at that level but you know the blue jays haven't blue jays fans haven't really had a prospect to really glom onto with the exception of 
you know, Ricky Tiedemann early in the year, but then he encountered some trouble. It looks like, uh, yeah, Martinez is going to be that guy who people are box score watching for the rest of the year. Yeah, which is fun, which will be fun. And, and it's, it's nice because, you know, how badly last season went and how badly this one started, that he's really figured it out. I've, I'm working on a prospect-focused uh, piece as well, and that's exactly the same split that I picked out, the one that Chai did, because, because, because that's when he started to hit. Yeah, we've all been down that road. We all know how to pick a split at this point. Yeah, uh, but no, but he has, he has been really, really good, and I think, you know, absolutely, just based on, I mean, maybe this doesn't mean anything, but just it seems like every time he goes to a new level, there is an adjustment period for him that's maybe more pronounced than other guys. Double uh, A was a year and a half or a, year and a month, um, so that you know that is definitely something to, to keep in mind if he struggles at first at Triple A. But but I I think it's fair for them to think okay this is real what the progress that we've seen is real and uh, and that he's ready for the next challenge. Like it, you always are a little wary I think of of anyone you know repeating a year, but he is so young and he was so aggressively put there in the first place that. Uh, um, that that you might look at that story in a different way had that not been the case, right? If you see, if a regular guy has to double, uh, repeat repeat double A, um, sometimes you're just like, okay, well he's figuring it out, but his ceiling is going to like not be what we thought. But he is still so young that uh, that yeah, there's there's a lot of intrigue there. I think I don't know what kind of big leaguer he's going to be. Clearly, the power is real, uh, and all of you know what he becomes is going to be down to, you know, the swing decisions. And, and it's, it's really remarkable to look at, you know, where his strikeout rate is, is gone this year. And in, uh, in particular, because that was a real issue for him. Um, walk rate too, I think. And, and the power has, has stayed because he just, he has that in him. Um, so yeah, I think it's a, it's a guy. It's almost a guy. I like, I don't, I, this is going to be an interesting off season question, right? Is, you know, what you do with match having, what you do with third base. There's definitely been people, you know, thinking I've I've seen internet chatter where people are saying suggesting you know okay maybe the option maybe the third baseman of the future is in house right now and Martinez is certainly an interesting guy there I don't think if you're a championship contender and you fancy yourself a World Series contender you're going to be handing the keys to third base to or Elvis Martinez next year unless he really explodes in the second half um, but he'll you know he'll he'll be there and he'll be knocking on the door hopefully uh, in in. In due time, I I think you're right to not put this year you know, on him just yet. Yeah, I, I think if he performs as well at AAA as he did in in that last 47 games at AA, you do. I think you can yeah. you could have the idea of maybe not giving him the spot, but maybe sort of bringing in uh you know a not top notch veteran to be the nominal starter to begin the year with the idea that you bring him up later. Uh, or just have, or have him compete from the beginning, and if he knocks that guy down to the bench, it's not the end of the world because you didn't pay this person a ton of money. Uh, but it, you know, we don't want to think too like we did a lot of thinking ahead on Tiedemann, right? It's like, oh, what's Tiedemann yeah. going to be by the end of the year? And it's like, oh, he's you know he hasn't really made any progress to speak of. Um, which again, that's not necessarily his fault, and he's had difficulty with injury. But it's just uh, it's so easy to be like, okay, this is step one for him. This is step two. This is step three. And boom, this is when he arrives. And we just know that's not how it works. Like you said, it was, it's really impressive what he's done cutting down the strikeouts because that's the big thing for him. We know when he puts the ball in play, it can be explosive off his bat. Like he's got very, very, very good power. So as long as the strikeouts are reasonable and the walks have always been at least fine for him, as long as the strikeouts are reasonable, it's easy to be optimistic about this guy. And sometimes... When you have hitters who bring their strikeout rate down, whether it's in the majors or in the minors, 
there's this price to pay, right? It's like, oh, okay, mm-hmm. I'm going to be a little bit more cautious at the plate here. Um, I'm gonna put the ball. I'm gonna hit the ball the other way a little bit more. What, whatever the case may be, but <laughs> the reverse, the reverse of Brandon Belt. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking of uh, you know Randall Gritchick with the Blue Jays, and uh, you know Guriel, to be honest, uh, in, later sure. in his Blue Jays career. So that can happen, and that has not happened in this little run. So it, it's all good news. It's all encouraging. The Blue Jays don't need him in the foreseeable future, right? Like they don't need him at third base or shortstop. They're set at those positions. Uh, I mean, I don't. He's more of a third baseman now, but it's it's a it's a, just like a situation the Blue Jays can feel very positive about. Like he'll head into next year his age twenty two season, and like even if he doesn't finish Triple A on an amazing run, that's fine because he can start his age twenty two season at Triple A and have a chance to still figure it out. Like he is he's he's young such that even though last year was the step back he had the latitude to take that step in a way that most prospects mm-hmm. don't. Like most prospects, if they have that unimpressive year, you're almost, you don't fully tune them out, but you kind of need to see this upward trajectory with prospects uh, in order to feel good about them becoming MLB contributors. He had that step back that for a lot of guys would be disqualifying. For him, it wasn't. And, you know, the beginning of this year, you know, again, if we had this conversation a few months ago, we could have said, wow, Teoscar, uh, not Teoscar, uh, Relvis Martinez uh, <laughs> had a rough year at Double A, and then he came back to repeat the level, and he was brutal. Like we, we really need to change what we think about this guy. Like it doesn't seem like there's much here. That I mean, I don't. He, he's a little young to say that about. But if someone had said that about him, I wouldn't have called them an idiot. Like that wouldn't have been the most insane right. <laughs> take to have. No. Uh, yeah, it's 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 interesting. Call them up. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, call them up. Right I've, changed, I've changed during during. Yeah, right. They need they need a little bit extra, bit extra right-handed power. There it is. Play them at second base over the All Star. <laughs> All, <right. laughs> All right. Before we get out of here, let's talk a little bit about predictions for the second half because we've got one of these moments. I I mean, it is kind of stupid that in baseball we talk about the first and second half related to the All Star game, even though it's very much not halfway through the season. Um, but that's just the way we frame it, and uh, that's not going to change. So, some basic, basic questions, basic thoughts here. What is your biggest fear and your biggest hope for the Blue Jays' second half of the season? <laughs> uh, I think it's a, it's the same player. It's Vlad. It's my biggest fear is that he has another half like the first, and my biggest hope is that he like, figures it out. I mean, last year we were like. 132 rated runs created plus that's terrible for him and now it's like 120 now he's below brandon belt at the all-star break like what is going on um you know also you know there's been a lot of ink spilled about it a lot of people have talked about it and, and it's not even as simple as previously when it was like oh he's just hitting it into the carpet he's topping these balls they're at the backspin one hopes that the home run derby helps. Uh, I don't believe in stuff like that, but uh, you know, just maybe getting him the mindset of uh, going way deep, uh, destroying kids' skulls. Jesus, um, tough moment. Um, <laughs> tough moment. Yeah, not not ideal. Um, hey, big win though for Vlad in the in the derby. Love you. Love to see it. You just love to see it if on the back of a season that was, you know, better. Yeah, I. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't find myself believing that the home run derby is going to do anything. Um, but I, I do find myself encouraged with what he's done in the last few weeks heading into the All-Star game. 
he you know he had some difficulty with power would be sort of a bit of an understatement he'd shown a little bit more power in the last few weeks and there was there was some bad luck involved there was some you know weird ball placement stuff involved in terms of him just hitting it to straightaway center all the time that i'm not convinced is going to be the case in the second half i uh I don't think I'd, I honestly, I'm not putting him in my biggest fear or biggest hope. I find him, okay. I find him, uh, I find myself confident that Vladdy is going to be good in the second half. I think my biggest fear for the Blue Jays would probably be that the whole left-handed power or left-handed lineup balance, whatever you want to call it, just kind of folds in under itself. like. Kiermaier has been way better offensively than we really had any reason to expect. And I don't think that there's a compelling uh, reason to believe that he'll, that he won't just kind of revert. Now it's not, you know, we're talking about a one Oh nine WRC plus. So it's not like he's been unbelievable, but he's been a, you know, a notch better than you'd think. And uh, I don't know about that and going forward. And he's also, he's, he's struggled to stay healthy recently. And so he's been healthy and then, you know, you've got Brandon Belt and his whole thing just doesn't make any sense. And there's just uh, <laughs> like, there's just no reason to think that he's going to be, you know, you talk about him and him be having a better WRC plus than Vlad in the first half. Like I, if someone offered me the bet on the second half at even like remotely uh, similar odds, like I'd be, I'd be hurrying to put whatever I could on Vlad. <laughs> I'll put it that way. Like just real the way yeah. he's striking out this crazy Babip. Like, you know, I think that's very fragile at the very least. And then Varsho, you know, it's just been all, every edge of his game has just been slightly worse. And you could argue that that means that there's nothing profoundly wrong and that things are going to come around, but it could also just mean it's one of those years where things are sort of off. And so a large part of this Blue Jays 2023 roster difference that's been sold is like, now we have the left-handed element and I think there's a chance in the second half they just kind of don't. And then it's like, oh, we've made the right-handed side less potent in order to balance it out. And then the balance wasn't really worth it. I think that's the fear. Yeah, uh, that would be bad. Yeah, <laughs> um, it's crazy. To, like I, rem- I, I distinctly remember talking about you know the projections on Varsho, which were you know 126 by some of the systems. Like yeah, they're uh, still pretty good too. Would, like the, the the belief is I, there in the projection systems, and I I'm not sure I'm as confident as the zips and the steamers of the world. No, I'm certainly not. But uh, <laughs> six months ago, Ross Atkins was. So that's uh, so we're we're going to have to live with that. I think it, you know he showed better last year. He certainly showed better uh against right-handed pitching so um you know like many like many guys and like man i'd love to see alander kirk uh look like a guy again that would be that would be real nice that would help um because that's part of why the right-handed side of the platoon is uh is, is of the lineup is not as going as well last year or as it was last year as well right i mean it's yes you lost to oscar and lourdes but but kirk has just not been the same guy um i'd like to think that can change yeah, the thing with Kirk that's wild is just so much of what was good happened in such a short period of time. Like he was so yeah. good for kind of six weeks. Like he was he was a world beater. And in the time after that, this season, and the time or this season, last season, and the time basically all of this season and before that in twenty twenty two, 
we just haven't really seen hints of that. Like it, it really looks like he's slapping it around and not driving it. And yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's young, he can figure it out. It would be silly to just assume that he's, he's totally lost any power and all he can do is just walk get on base and slap singles. But it's been a while. It's been a while since we've seen him do it. And this, I don't know, again, it might just be like this year's not, not quite the year for him, but the whole, the whole catching situation is like the, the difference between this year and last year. That's one of the biggest parts of it. And uh, it's easier to talk about Manoa because he's one guy and Vladdy because he's one guy. And I mean, I'm, I run a, I run, I write a ton of stuff about singular players. So I'm not going to be the one who's like, oh, people are so stupid. They focus on one player. But it is easier to <laughs> conceptualize issues along the lines of this is one player. This is how much worse they've been. This is what they're struggling with than saying, here's a position group that was used in a variety of ways and it's not quite coming through uh, in the same to the same degree. But that that's a big that's a big part of it. I mean, I could make that my hope. I'm not going to. I think that the catching position is going to be sort of better, <laughs> but maybe not radically so in the second half. Um, what? I feel like I did have a hope down here, and now I've forgotten about it. I, I had another fear. My <laughs> other fear was about health. Uh, I think my, my hope is that we're going to see more of the good Matt Chapman again. I think that people have forgotten about just how dominant he was early in the season, and it has been a bit of a rough go since then, and it's kind of evened out to a point where it's like, oh, yeah, I look at the stats, and that looks like Matt Chapman, but when someone shows me something just at the level that Chapman did and, you know, it's the history that he has being that elite offensive force. And, you know, he's been a little bit better in the, in the last few weeks as well. I've just, I've got a feeling maybe this one is just a little bit uh, less concrete, more wishy-washy, but I've got a feeling that there's a, there's a second act to the Matt Chapman contract season. Well, that's right. Contract season, you know. Most it's, time, uh, it's in his financial interest. Yeah. Most times, uh, MLB <laughs> players are not even remotely motivated. But when there's a chance right. to increase the value of their free agent contract, they snap into action magically. That's, that's when you when see it. it yeah. <laughs> okay, we've got 71 Blue Jays games remaining. What? I'll give you a little bit of context before I ask for a hard prediction. We're going to predict how, what their record is. From this point on, we probably won't revisit it and hold ourselves accountable. That's the sort of thing that people should theoretically do. But you guys can write it down somewhere and call us idiots later if you want. Uh, so the strength of schedule is a 498. Uh, so less than what the Blue Jays are accustomed to. Should be a little bit easier than the first half. Fangraphs is projecting a 38-33 and 33 record, which would be a 541 winning percentage. Where do you stand on the Blue Jays' next 71 games? Um, uh, I would say, I mean, look, it's going to be, I'm going to be wrong no matter what I say. So I, I'm just going to, I'm going to be positive. Uh, I'm going to go a little ahead of the 48 or the 38. Uh, I'll, I'll put them into, I'll say 41. I think 45 is obviously like that. I think that would be like a 650 winning percentage. That's probably a lot to ask. I do think they have like a winning streak in them. Uh, I really hope they do because there's just been so many fucking people all year just that are like no this is what they are we've seen them we know what they are and it's like well what are the are the rays the team that was in april or the rays the team that was in july and june uh you know it, it doesn't really work that way and i do think that there's enough talent and, and enough you know there's certainly enough starting pitching that if they get the hits as often as they as they should they they could reel off a lot of wins in a row uh very easily very quickly very soon 
will they do it? I don't know. <laughs> watching it, it, saying it is one thing, and watching them try to do it every night is definitely a different thing. But uh, yeah, let's go with forty-one wins and whatever, however many losses that makes it. Uh, yeah, forty-one and thirty. Uh, yeah, I, I have. The, you know what? I could go even higher than that, frankly. I I have the same sort of feeling. I think that they're going to be maybe not world beaters in the second half, but better to a noticeable degree. I'll go to 40 and 31. I'll go a little bit. Uh, I don't want to have the exact same one. as you. I'll, I'll be on brand, be slightly more <laughs> pessimistic. But like you said, the whole cluster luck and runners and scoring position thing, I'm inclined to believe that comes around to some degree. Whatever Manoa is, he'll be better than what he was uh, in the first half, even if that means he just isn't pitching at all. Uh, there's always a possibility for some kind of trade deadline acquisition. I don't think it's going to be a huge trade deadline for the Blue Jays, but there's always that possibility. So I'm leaving that on the table. I think that they go, yeah, let's say 40 and 31. Maybe they have that big win streak in them, like you said. Okay, before we end off here, predictions for the ultimate fate. And I'm sure, I think we've done this at various points, but that's okay. Let's do it again. Ultimate fate (laughs) of the 2023 Blue Jays. Um, I th- I'm I'm predicting a second round loss. I'm going to be all <laughs> optimistic. I'm going to be that optimistic. They get in, they get past the uh, the plan, and then they lose in the uh, the ALDS. That's exactly where I was at because I see them. <laughs> uh, I see them making that last wild card spot and then pummeling the the AL Central frauds, and then ultimately yep. losing the race. I think that's the way it goes. Um, but you know the Rays. Oh, the Rays might all be hurt by then. But like you say, health is a fear for this team. Yeah, because I mean, as bad as, as as middling as they've been, they've been really healthy and middling. Yeah, which that's is scary. The, that's arguably the. If you want to be discouraged about the Blue Jays, I mean, and and people don't need any help with this uh, based on the, <laughs> no, what I see don't. out there. But if you want to be discouraged about the Blue Jays, that is the argument. It's that this team has had about as much injury luck as you could hope for. And at the you know the, their main guys have really not missed any time, including George Springer. And at the same time, they just haven't been uh, they haven't performed the way you'd think they'd perform. But yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Uh, I can't imagine the AL Central team winning. I know it's a short series; anything can happen. Blah blah blah. Cleveland Guardians know how to play. I mean, it won't be them necessarily. Um, I know all that stuff, but it, it's just hard to envision that AL Central team surviving even in a short series. I'd be curious to know, again, you know, we're talking deep hypotheticals now. We're talking 71 games into the future plus if this happened. But since we both predicted it, I think it's, it's fair to agree that it will happen. And, yeah, I think uh, so. <laughs> and so I'm wondering how that season would be perceived, like that hypothetical season. Like they, the Blue Jays, let's say, don't make a meaningful step forward in terms of wins and losses, appear to be probably from kind of run differential and various other metrics a worse team than we've seen in recent years and yet take one more step on the road to the world series of one. We get the, the first sort of playoff victory of this era. Is that a season that people are ultimately happy? Like where does that stand in terms of where the franchise is in terms of how happy people are with it? Cause that would be a kind of confusing outcome. Yeah, well, I think it, I mean, I think it would save Ross Atkins' job. I don't think that he's going to get fired either way, really. But it would definitely it would save his esteem a bit. I think it would make it easier for people to to trust. Okay, we're going to try this again. 
we're gonna you know but but it also would be really deeply unsatisfying even though the sort of stated goal is like all right you gotta you gotta make progress in the playoffs you can say that you did it um but that would be in like the most the most meaningless way to possibly do it is to get through the play-in and then lose um yeah i, I think i you know time is time is running out with the vlad and Bo situations in their contracts because they've somehow not managed to extend them um and so that I think adds an element of it too, but you kind of have to just, I think that they, they, you know, you, you feel better about giving them another kick at the can than if things go sideways in the second half and they don't make the playoffs. Then, then it gets really confusing, I think, because it is still a team with good bones that should be better. But, uh, that, like, that would at least show it, even though, uh, you know, no one would be real happy. But it's like hiring John Schneider after that fucking game against the Mariners, or it's like, oh, you know, we're going to just do this, but. We saw some things we didn't like. Yeah, it's uh, it would be a weird outcome. And I, I think that they would get to message it in a way that made it sort of broadly make sense to people. Like, oh, we built this team to win close games and take that step in the playoffs it never had. And look, you know, it, it's not perfect, but we did that. Uh, <laughs> oh, Ross will absolutely spin it that it was yeah no, this is progress this is, yeah so they'll be able to do that <laughs> and uh, yeah so we we can all look forward to that um, you know middling and quasi unsatisfying outcome for everybody and we'll leave it there that's episode 106 of uh, <laughs> Blue Jays Happy Hour thank you everyone for tuning in we appreciate everyone who listens and we appreciate more people who want to leave a review uh, or a rating and all that kind of jazz because that is good for the the series of tubes that is the internet and uh, helps people find us. So we will talk to you again next week.